The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Welcome to 1002 with your host, Mike Baker, an opportunity to pray for the harvest and receive a nugget of truth from God's Word. You've heard it said, one bad apple ruins the whole bunch. And it's true. Any of you who've spent time canning or making jam or doing any kinds of preparing food for the winter, you know that if you put in bad fruit or a bad apple, a bad strawberry, it could ruin that batch of jam, that batch of cider, that batch of applesauce, whatever it may be. Same is true even with, with vegetables. You put in one rotted green bean or one rotted onion or green pepper, and within a couple of days, the whole batch is covered in just decay and mold and other things that lead to destruction. Yet why in the church are we content with letting the bad apples stay? Why in church are we content with doing nothing, not disciplining people? I realize that these people are our friends, and in some cases we live with them, we do business with them, but we're content with letting the bad apples ruin the body of Christ and ruin the local church. We look the other way, we make excuses, we allow it to happen, and yet that sin begins to penetrate our churches, our local places of worship, and even our own lives. And that's exactly what happened in Joshua. After the fall of Jericho, they went on to take the city of Ai, and they got routed. They lost They got destroyed by this teeny little city and Joshua is distraught and he tears his clothes and falls before the Lord. In Joshua 7.10, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned and have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, lied, and put them among their own belongings. So Israel got routed. Israel lost that battle. Because of one person's sin, Achan, he kept some of the treasures. He buried it underneath his tent with the knowledge of his family, with the knowledge of his wife. He was greedy and he kept for his own. He lied, he cheated, he stealed, he stole. And because of that, the army got routed. 36 men killed. 36 families didn't have a dad that came home. There was a consequence for all of Israel because of one man's sin. It's no different than the church. As we continue to let people live in sin, walk in sin, justify sin, as we continue to let the bad apples be there and do nothing about it, there are consequences. It waters down our faith. It waters down our testimony. It tarnishes our image and our reputation in public. The world has a right to say we're a bunch of hypocrites. We're a bunch of liars because we are, right? We're sinners. We're liars. We're hypocrites. But when we knowingly put up with behavior and we knowingly allow stuff to happen in our church and we turn a blind eye, we don't go to that brother or sister and address it and deal with it the way that scriptures tells us to, isn't the world right? (laughs) Don't they have every right to say the things that they say about the church? And why would someone want to become a part of that? God made it clear to Israel they had to live above reproach. They had to live differently. They had to live his way. 
so that the people of Israel and the way that they lived, the way that they took care of each other, the way they took care of the poor and the widows and the orphans, the way that they returned things would be attractive to the people around them. They would want this different lifestyle. They would want this different life that surrounded around the Lord. And the same is true of the church. If we act like the church, if we live like the church, if we love like the church, people want to be a part of that. People want to join that. It, become, it be, becomes a testimony in and of itself. Israel was punished for Achan's sin. So my question is, church, why do we continue to allow sin go on in our churches and turn a blind eye and do nothing about it? The Garali people, actually the Garali Rajat people of India, make almost up almost a half million uh, they live in the northern parts of India, near the border of China. Uh, and at one time, they were the richest class in India. After India became an independent nation, they had to find different employment because prior to that, they were pretty much landowners and military officers. This people group is rich, it's wealthy, and it's well-educated. And because of that, they have no need for God. In fact, if you reach out to one, they would say, why would I need your God? Why would I need your Jesus? My Hindu gods, my Hindu ways are serving me just fine. I have wealth. I have fame. I have fortune. I have success. My children have the education they need. Why would I want to change anything? They don't understand and they don't see why their lives need to change because they have everything at their fingertips. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? That's most Americans. Why do I need Jesus? Why do I need to live differently? Why should I live like the church? I have fame. I have success. I have land. I have education. I have health. Because we have everything and we lack for nothing, it is hard for us to depend upon God. And that's the same dilemma people face when they try to reach out to these Jirari people of India. They lack nothing. In a country where there's the caste system, they're at top. They're king of the hill. They see no reason why they would give all that up to serve this man named Jesus, where they have seen people serve and lose their life and be persecuted, lose their well-being, lose their finances, lose their family, lose everything when their money and their Hindu gods are serving them just fine. One of the verses that the Joshua Project put underneath this people group is restore to me the joy of my salvation, the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you from Psalms 51, 12. For far too long, church, we have not had the joy of God's salvation. We have not had the joy of God's provisions. We've done things on our own, and therefore, why would we obey? If we're going to reach out to people like the Jirali of India, we got to do a heart check first. We got to do an inward check first. We got to check our own life, the own way we're living, the own way we're acting, because we can't go out and reach other people when we're doing the exact same thing they are. Relying on ourselves, relying on our education, relying on our wealth, and choosing to ignore God's word, God's will, and his commands. How can we teach others that when we're not even doing it ourselves? Lord, we're sorry. Lord, we need repentance in our country. Lord, we need revival in our country. Lord, we need to return to the joy of our salvation. 
Lord, we need to come back to a dependence upon you. Finding our joy in life in you and you alone. So that we can be witnesses. So that we can go out into the harvest. So that we can minister to people like the Jawali that are battling the same things we're battling. Why would they need a God when they have everything they need? God, break us. Mold us. God, send workers into the harvest who have been through this process, who understand this process, who have been humbled, that can go and serve amongst these people and say, no, I, I realize what you're saying, but I know another way. I've been there. I've walked your shoes. And let me tell you what happened. Life will fall apart. You will get humbled and recognize that you need your Lord and Savior. Lord, the people that have walked that, send them into the harvest amongst these Jirali people of India. Yeah.